And uh, if you don't register, you can't win. So bummer. And so that will be happening next next week. So make sure you guys are here. It's going to be awesome. Right on. Let me just do a little roll call real quick. Just kind of see where we stand. How many of you guys in here tonight are from Decula High School? Decula High School people. Wow. Uh, and once again, Mill Creek. Where's Mill Creek? Sweet. Uh, Hebron Academy. Uh, Brookwood. Uh, wait, North Gwinnett. South Gwinnett. Central Gwinnett. East Gwinnett. If there were. How about, uh, what? South Forsyth, baby. For real? South Forsyth? Come here, man. South Forsyth? That's what I'm talking about. You came all the way here from South Forsyth High School? Come here, man. Come here for a second. Tell everybody your name. JR. Give it up for JR coming all the way from South Forsyth. Absolutely amazing. Dude, since you came all the way from South Forsyth, see me right after we're done in here. I'm buying whatever mochaccino latte thing you want from Starbucks. Biggest size you want, dude, all the way from South Forsyth. Give it up for this guy, man. That's spectacular. Right on. Dude, you must like those girls. You know what I'm saying? That's cool, man. Hey, how many of y'all from Collins Hill? Collins Hill? Oh, whoa, what's up? You gave me the shirt thing. The little, what's up with my shirt? What was that? Is that the, does your, does it, oh, it says Collins Hill on it. That's why you did that. Make perfect sense to a guy who's an idiot like me. Good. Um, how about homeschool, baby? Passionate homeschooler. Nothing more dangerous than a passionate homeschooler full of Red Bull. All right. Who, who am I missing? Peachtree Ridge, baby. Uh, what? Appalachie. How about Heritage Christian Academy? How about another school named Providence? Yeah, I don't know. Hey, what's up? Providence, yeah. Shout out. Okay, cool. Right on. Hey, here's the deal. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to get started. Jesus, you're awesome. Amen. Okay, here's the deal. Totally real prayer. It's a real deal. Listen up. Most of you guys know, most of you guys know that I have a, I have a daughter. She's a little over two years old. Her name is Annabelle. She is an incredibly cute little munchkin hobbit looking thing. She's awesome. A hobbit has cute features, by the way. That's why I say that. Um, but Annabelle's just amazing. I, I love her. And here's the thing about fatherhood. Like you become a dad and immediately you learn like all kinds of stuff you never learned before. Um, first of all, that you're a moron, right? But second of all, you learn other little details along the way. And I mean this sincerely, guys, when I tell you that one of the things that I learned by becoming a father and being introduced to fatherhood and interacting with my daughter is the fact that most of the lullabies and children's songs that exist today are sick, twisted, and disturbing. Would you agree? And, and I mean this, like, honestly, sometimes I get up here and, hey, I'm a little preacher guy. I'm going to tell him a little joke to laugh at. I'm totally serious about this. They are sick. Children's songs are sick. Lullabies are disturbing. And all you have to do, check this out. All you have to do is slow down and listen to the words for like two seconds. And it's obvious that these songs are just written by psychos throughout history. 
I'll give you an example. I will give you prime examples. And I, and I remember the first time I'm holding my little daughter and I'm, and I'm singing these songs to her. And, and it crossed my mind what I was singing. For example, the itsy bitsy spider climbed up the water spout. Down came the rain and it washed the spider out. Up came the sun and dried up all the rain. Now the itsy bitsy spider is climbing up again. He's coming to get you, kid. He's poisonous. What kind of si- how does that help kids sleep? Or how about this one? London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. London Bridge is falling down. My fair lady. Because there's nothing more comforting to a child than collapsing structures that hold thousands of people. Thank you, Daddy. I go to sleep now. I wake up and I kill lots of people. Or how about this one? I mean, seriously, think about this. They're horrible. Rock-a-bye, baby, in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come, baby, cradle and all. You're going to fall out of a tree, little kid. It's big old tree. It's a redwood. Who are the psychos writing these songs? Like some twisted dude in a back room somewhere going, they'll never know. They'll never know I'm writing them. I got another one. How about this one? How about this one? It's raining, it's pouring, the old man is snoring, bumped his head, went to bed, didn't get up in the morning. Because he died. He's dead. Went to sleep. Died. Hey, hey, check this out. And then, and then there's just the like straight up weird lullabies. There's the weird songs. Like they're, they're not really scary. They just don't make any sense. Yankee Doodle went through town riding on his pony. Stuck a feather in his hat and called it macaroni. What kind of glue's Yankee Doodle sniffing, man? Are you serious? Yankee Doodle's got it. Yankee Doodle's crazy. I, if I did that, you would lock me up. Look, it's macaroni. It's a noodle, dude. And then it gets weirder. And then just, here's the deal. When you listen to, when you, when you listen to the song Yankee Doodle, like the song gets weirder even when you thought it couldn't get weirder. You listen to the lyrics. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Mind the music and the stepping with the girls be handy. What? What? Lock, lock Yankee Doodle up. Yankee Doodle's a perv. What kind of song is that? Read the, read the words, kids. But then, hey, remember this? Y'all, y'all remember when you were kids? Remember the stories you used to get told when you were kids, how entertaining they were? Like, for instance, like, um, Three Little Pigs. Remember y'all, remember Three Little Pigs? Remember how great that was? Three Little Pigs. And, and you had, you know, the, the big bad wolf coming over to the houses of the pigs and, little pig, little pig, let me in. 
not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. That might be a little bit of an overreaction. I mean, let's think about this, big bad wolf. You're going to destroy their house. Here's a tip for you students. If you ever go to your friend's house and say, hey, dude, let me in. And they go, no, I don't want to. Don't respond with, then I'm going to destroy your home. Not worth the prison time there. It's not. It's really. Remember Peter Rabbit? Flopsy, mopsy, cottontail. And dude, th- that story was great for us guys especially. I remember being a, being a little guy, a little dude, and listening to that story. And I thought it was awesome because Peter Rabbit's being chased through Mr. McGregor's garden with a garden tool. And at any moment, he could die. And you're going, there could be blood. Kill him. I was on Mr. McGregor's side. Eat the man's carrot. You know what I'm saying? What's up with that rabbit? Who do you think you are? And then, and then when you get, I mean, here's the deal. When you want to ask the question, who do you think you are? Remember Goldilocks and the three bears? Who she thinks she is, man? I mean, I was rooting for the three bears in that one. She shows up at their tree and she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to sleep in their bed. I'm going to sit in their chair. I'm going to eat their porridge. I'm going to use their toilet. Which wasn't in the story, but you know what happened. She slept in the bed. She sat in the chair. And I'm just going, dude, what are you, how, why, are you, why are you so pompous? Goldilocks, get a home of your own. Nobody cares, right? But here's the thing. Here's what's tragic. Remember when you were kids? Remember the songs you sang? Remember the stories that you were told? And here's the thing, that's all well and good, but let me tell you what's tragic, guys. What's tragic is that today, there's a huge population of people on this planet, and you know what, on it, let's be honest for a second, maybe even in this room, there's a huge population of people who believe that when you talk about stories like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, and when you talk about stories like Three Little Pigs and Peter Rabbit, that you could really, honestly, take the Bible and you could put it in a stack with those same books. Because there's a lot of people who believe this, that the Bible is nothing more than just a kid's tale. The Bible's nothing more than just a children's book. And nobody with any, like, intellectual, like, half a brain cell would actually believe that the Bible is true, right? I mean, how could you believe this is true? And there are people who believe that you should stack the Bible up with, with mythology, like, like with stories of Zeus and Cupid. That at best, you know what, at best... The Bible is just kind of like Aesop's fables and, and Mother Goose. I mean, people that think this, dude, there's no such thing as Care Bears. There's no such thing as talking pigs and talking, talking bears. There, there is no such thing as talented boy bands. And there is no such thing as people getting eaten by whales. There's no such thing as burning bushes. I mean, how could you honestly, listen, how could you honestly believe this, this book is the truth. How could you honestly believe that this book is anything more than just a fable and mythology? And students, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here, here's the thing. You got to understand this, that when you, th- when you think that way, you run into a huge problem. Like when you think the Bible is nothing more than just a children's book, it's not really real, you run into a massive problem. And the problem is simply this, that throughout this book, throughout the Bible, like all the way through from Genesis to Revelation, it makes an outrageous claim over and over and over again. And the unbelievable, outrageous claim the Bible is consistently making is this, that this book is written by God. That God, here's the thing, that God literally inspired men 
He inspired men to write the very words of God. That when you read the Bible, you are reading the words of God. And you go, Anson, how's that work? God inspired people. God moved people to write these words. How does that work? I have no idea. But the Bible makes the claim over and over and over and over again that this book is from God to us about God and therefore, listen, therefore, absolutely true. And so the question we're asking tonight is, dude, seriously? Like, honestly, is that for real? Because we live in a world where we say, man, I think rationally. And can I honestly be a person who thinks rationally and yet also believes that the Bible is completely true? One example I want to give you guys is 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. It's on the back of your little bulletin thing in your chair, the little white card, man. Look at the back of it. I'm going to read this to you guys. 2 Timothy three sixteen. listen to this verse. This is just one example of, of the claims that, that, that the Bible makes. It says this, 2 Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. One more time, say all Scripture. On the count of three, scream it like you're angry at somebody. One, two, three. Listen to what it says. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So get this, get this, shh, shh, get this, don't miss this. All scripture, every single verse of scripture is God-breathed. In other words, listen, the picture is painting for us that the Bible is, is literally the very breath of God. Not only is it the word of God, it's the very breath of God. Whenever you hear God's word taught, whenever you hear the Bible read, it's as if God is breathing into the place. All scripture is God breathed. In other words, all scripture, the whole Bible, everything, whole enchilada, every single bit of it is from God, written by God. Now here's the problem, here's the issue. There's people who go, dude, here's the deal, Anson. That's nice of you to say, and you're a little youth pastor, dude, and you get paid to say stuff like that. But check this out, dude. I'm a person who thinks rationally. And because, check this Because I'm a person who thinks rationally, I can't believe the Bible is true because I think rationally. And here's what I'm telling you students tonight. Listen, I would say the exact opposite is true. I would say this, because I am a person that thinks rationally, because I want to be a person that thinks rationally, I have to believe the Bible is true and from God. And here's why. Because when you look, look, when you look at the evidence... When you look at the evidence, the evidence is overwhelming that the Bible is not only completely true, but it is from God. And some of you are like, well, dude, seriously? Like, you really believe that? Absolutely. And so here's what we're going to do tonight, guys. It's going to be real different than it normally is around this place. Tonight, I've got five statements that I picked out that people who are skeptical of the Bible, people that don't believe the Bible, people that think, you know, others that believe the Bible is the Word of God are kind of smoking some hoo-hoo or whatever, you know. They, I mean, I've got five statements, five statements that those people would make in order to, to, to bring the Bible into the light and, and kind of condemn the Bible and say the Bible is in no way the Word of God because here's these five things. And I'm going to take those five things and we're going to actually put them on the screen, these five statements in a second, and we're going to one by one dismantle every single one and show you how the evidence proves that none of these statements are true. Make sense? And before we do that, let me just say this again, because this is what this series is about. Check this out, y'all. Check this out. Tonight is not about me debating with you. And tonight is not about me arguing with you about what you should believe. You believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I believe, but I will also tell you this. I believe what I believe is absolutely true. And tonight, I'm going to not only tell you why, I'm going to give you the evidence as to why. And I'm going to show you the evidence that has convinced me one man. I'm just one dude. 
but the evidence that has absolutely convinced me that the Bible is the word of God. Fair enough? You guys ready to go? Say, I'm ready to go. Let's do this then. Let's do this. Statement number one is this. Statement number one that's always said is this. Hasn't the Bible been rewritten so much over the years that it has changed over time? How many of y'all ever heard that before? Heard something like that before? You hear people say that all the time, right? Listen, that's a huge argument. That's a statement that's just thrown out there. Man, the Bible has changed so much over history that there's no way I can believe the Bible because it's just changed throughout history and, and it's evolved and people have kind of changed what was written and it's not in its original form where, where it was originally written. So it's just kind of changed. So how can I believe that the Bible's actually the word of God? Well, I'll tell you why. Because first of all, the answer to that question is no. And that's not just me telling you that. Let me tell you the evidence. First of all, let's, let's, look, at, let's look at the Old Testament and then let's look at the New Testament. The Old Testament consists of 39 books. The New Testament consists of 27 books. When you take the Old Testament, check this out. Here's what you find. We have more manuscripts, more ancient manuscripts of the Old Testament from more different periods in history than any other pre-Christian document that exists. Did you check that out? So not only is there a couple, a couple manuscripts of the Old Testament, there's more manuscripts, copies in other words, for those of you who are SAT challenged, there's more copies of the Old Testament, ancient copies, than there are of any other pre-Christian document. But here's the deal, just in case that wasn't enough, tell you what happened in 1947, long time ago baby, 1947, other side of the planet, near a place called the Dead Sea. Near a place called the Dead Sea, there's a little, little shepherd boy, man, a little shepherd boy out, kind of walking his goats or doing whatever, or hanging out, looking at the stars, going, oh, aren't they cute, right? Whatever he was doing, little shepherd boy comes upon a cave, goes into a cave, and here's what the little shepherd boy finds. Little shepherd boy found some kind of canister things, ancient canister things, and ends up calling some adults over, and here's what they found. They're called the Dead Sea Scrolls. How many heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Probably, no, not probably, definitely the most important archaeological find of the 20th century, not even close. I mean, it's the most important find, and here's why. Because up to that moment in history, in like nine, you know, up to that moment in history in 1947, here's what happened. The, the most recent copy of, let's take the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, the most recent copy of the book of Isaiah that existed, the most recent ancient document, was written, it, it dated back to 980 A.D. In other words, 980 years after the birth of Jesus Christ. But here's what happened when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. They found two copies of the book of Isaiah along with the other Dead Sea Scrolls. And what they discovered was these two copies of the book of Isaiah dated back a thousand years before that, which would have been before the birth of Jesus Christ. And here's what's trippy. Here's what's crazy. Here's what, what's up? Here's what's nuts is those two copies. Listen, those two copies of the book of Isaiah were exact, contained the exact same information as the copies of the book of Isaiah that they had in 1947 and that we have today. It had never, ever changed. And yet there are those who say the Bible's changed. There's no evidence. There's no evidence whatsoever that suggests the Bible has ever evolved. Matter of fact, the evidence proves otherwise. Let's take the New Testament. Here's the deal with the New Testament. New Testament is kind of a crazy thing because the New Testament is by far, like by far, the most remarkably preserved ancient document there is in like the whole world ever. Give an example. How many of you have ever heard the Iliad by Homer? Not Simpson, like the real Homer, like really old ancient Homer. You know what I'm saying? 
the Iliad by Homer, if you ever like go to college and take like literature courses, those of you who love literature and stories and all that stuff, you want to major in that, maybe become a teacher, probably at some point, if you haven't already in like an AP class in high school, the teacher will tell you, they'll assign to you, you need to read the Iliad by Homer. Here's why that's interesting. Never in my entire life have I ever met somebody who said, man, they told me to read the Iliad by Homer, but I'm refusing to do it because I believe that document has evolved over time and I believe it's changed and I don't believe when I pick up Homer's edition of the Iliad today that it's the real edition of the Iliad. And so because of that, I'm not going to, I refuse to read it because it's not the same thing, man. It's not. I'm telling you. It's all on X-Files, right? I mean, but here's the thing. Here's the thing that's crazy. X-Files, where'd that come from? Old school. Here's the deal. Here's what's trippy. I've never heard anybody say that, but, but, but here's what's crazy to me. Of the Iliad, that ancient document written by Homer, there's only 643 ancient copies of it. Of the New Testament, the New Testament, those 27 books you have in your Bible, in the New Testament portion of your Bible, there are over 24,970 ancient copies of the New Testament. Here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. It's trippy. They're all, they're all the same. And so the evidence shows us that absolutely false. And when someone says that, there's no evidence to suggest that over time, throughout time, the scriptures have ever changed. Statement one. Statement one. Deconstruct you. Statement two. Bible's full of contradictions. Anybody heard that one? It's thrown around a lot. This is probably one of the most popular ones. And it's the most popular one, but here's what's interesting to me, especially dude, as, a, as, a, as a pastor and as a high school pastor especially, I hear people say this often. I don't believe the Bible. Why don't you believe the Bible? Because the Bible's so full of contradictions. And my obvious follow-up question to that statement is always, like what? And let me tell you what I hear probably 98% of the time. What well, just is? Well, what contradictions are you speaking of? The, those ones in the Bible? Yeah, but with specific contradictions. The ones that are contradictory statements in the Bible. Yeah, but in the Bible, which statements like are contradictions? Man, all those ones that are listed. Well, what do you mean? Well, I don't know. There's some dude who's got a book. Well, what does he say? Well, it's, in, it's about those things in the Bible. What, what, what? And there's never, listen, rarely do I ever hear a specific example of someone saying there is a contradiction in the Bible. But here's the thing. So when I can't, when, when I don't hear anybody give a specific example of a contradiction in the Bible, I just kind of look at them and say, dude, I'm going to tell you in love, you're the contradiction. Because you're telling me there's a contradiction and you can't give me an example of a contradiction, but you say there's contradictions, but you can't give me an example of a contradiction, so you're contradicting yourself, you're the contradiction. I have no idea what I just said, right? But here's the, th- here's the point, here's the point, listen, listen, I'm going I'm to give you guys a little tip. Most of the time... Vast majority of the time, almost all the time, when somebody thinks that they've found a contradiction in the Bible, it's not because it's a contradiction. It's just because it's unexplained. They haven't had it explained to them. And so because it's unexplained, they go, well, that must be a contradiction. But here's the thing. Here's the, here's the point that you guys need to understand. Just because something is unexplained doesn't necessarily mean it's unexplainable. Does that make sense? Just because something isn't clear to you at a certain moment in history, that doesn't mean it can't be explained. For instance, dude, that's how science works. I mean, there was a moment in history where scientists, dude, they had no idea what caused meteors. They had no idea what caused tornadoes. They had no idea even what made the bumblebee fly. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't look at a bumblebee and go, hey, he's flying, and we don't know why he's flying. Contradiction! 
Well, what are you talking about? He's flying, and I have no idea why, and it's crazy. That's a contradiction! No, you know what? Here's the deal. It was unexplained, but they didn't, they didn't cry contradiction. You know what they did? Here's what they did. They studied more, and they found the answer. It's crazy. I'll give you a tip. That's exactly how it works with the Bible. I'll give you a couple of examples. There was a moment in history not too long ago where people looked at the Bible and critics would say, cynics would say, you know what? The Bible has a contradiction in it because the Bible says that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Bible says that. But Moses couldn't have written the first five books of the Bible because writing didn't exist when Moses was alive. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Right? There's people that said that. And then guess what? They studied more and archaeologists dug more, and you know what they found eventually? Not only did writing exist when Moses was around, but writing existed almost 2,000 years before Moses was around. But there was a moment in history where a lot of people said, contradiction, Moses couldn't have written it. Proven false, because they studied more. Another example, there was a moment in history where people, critics would look at the Bible and go, there's a contradiction because the Bible speaks about a group of people called the Hittites, that's a weird word, the Hittites, and we don't have any evidence that the Hittites ever existed, so contradiction! Thank you. But, but here's the deal. You know what's weird? They studied more, and archaeologists dug more. And not only did they find evidence for a group of people called the Hittites in the country of Turkey, they actually uncovered an entire Hittite library. And today, if you went to the University of Chicago, you could get a doctorate in Hittite studies. See, we go from complete contradiction to completely explained. And so just because something is unexplained to you doesn't necessarily mean it's unexplainable. And so for somebody to say there's a contradiction, first of all, the, the question is, well, okay, what contradiction? And then if they can answer that, go, well, how is that a contradiction instead of just something that's unexplained to you? Third statement. History disproves the Bible. It's a statement that's thrown around by people. Well, well, well you think the Bible's real, just, just look at history. History completely disproves the Bible. Students, listen, this is absolutely false. Matter of fact, the exact opposite is is actually true. The Bible is historically reliable and historically accurate. But here's what people do. Listen, here's what people do. People go, hey, hey, well, here's the thing, Anson. I hear what you're saying, but I'll be honest with you. When I read the Bible, I don't believe what these people said about Jesus. Like, if you look at these first few books of the New Testament, I don't believe what they said about Jesus. And the reason I don't believe what they said about Jesus is because they were so close to Jesus, and they were friends with Jesus, and they walked with Jesus. And so because they were so close to Jesus, they were biased. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's just stupid. Because here's the thing. The... The mere fact that these guys were the closest to Jesus makes them the most qualified to write about the, the, the life of Jesus. I mean, that would be like me saying, listen, um, listen, Mr. Holocaust survivor, sir, I'm really sorry that you were starved. I'm really sorry you had to ride in that train completely piled on top of each other. I'm really sorry you were tortured, and I'm really sorry that they wanted to poison you in a gas chamber and burn your corpse. I'm really sorry about that, but you know what? I really can't talk to you about the Holocaust. I can't get your information because you were too close to the action. You're biased. Sorry. What? That makes him most qualified. That'd be like me saying to, to a victim of a violent crime, ma'am, 
I'm sorry you got stabbed 4,512 times. I'm really sorry about that. I'm really sorry about how horrible that experience was. But I'll be honest with you, because you were so close to the action, you can't testify at your trial. You're biased. That's insane. The fact that she was the one in the volunteer, that makes her most qualified. Do you see it? And so to say that is crazy. But, but here's the deal. Let's just go down that trail for a second. Let's just assume that's a good argument to say that, okay, they were too close to the action, so we can't rely on what they said. Well, here's all you have to do. All you have to do is look to historians that weren't even Christians. Ancient historians like the Roman um, Tacitus, like the Roman Suetonius, both of them were Roman historians, and both of them wrote not only about things that happened in the life of Jesus, but also things that happened in church history. But did you look at that? And here's what else you find. There was a Jewish historian named Josephus, maybe the most famous. And Josephus was not a Christian. And Josephus not only wrote about the things that were happening with Jesus and the things that Jesus was doing. Look at what Josephus wrote. I got the quote up here. We're going to put it up here for you guys so you can actually see it. Here's what Josephus wrote. Ancient historian. Really long, I know. Now, there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. And the tribe of Christians so named from him are not extinct to this day. This guy was not even a Christian. He's a historian. And he writes, he writes about the things that were happening in the life of Jesus. So even if you want to go down that trail of, I don't want to listen to these guys, they were too close to the action. The problem you run into is that historians that weren't even Christians wrote about biblical history from the kings that existed to wars to natural disasters that the Bible talks about all the way to the life of Jesus Christ. History absolutely doesn't refute the Bible. It supports the Bible. Statement number four. Archaeology disproves the Bible. Not even close. Not even close. I mean, the reality is, check this out. The reality is there has never, everybody in here say never. One more time, say never. Say never like your mama just asked you to clean your room. There has never, ever, 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 never, ever been an archaeological discovery that disproved something that the Bible taught about something that happened at a specific place or time. Ever, ever, ever. Matter of fact, the opposite is true. There was a time in history where people looked at the story of the city of Jericho and said that was just a legend. That was just a myth. There was no such thing as a city of Jericho and the walls coming tumbling down and all that kind of stuff. That was just a legend and a myth. And then one day you had some guys digging around the desert and they go, Ooh, Jericho. They found Jericho. There was a time in history where they said Sodom, Gomorrah, it's a myth. Then they were digging around the middle of the desert somewhere, and they said, oh, there's Sodom and Gomorrah. You're crazy. There was actually a moment in history where people said, oh, the worldwide flood, myth, and then true story, archaeologists are digging around on a mountain, and in the fossil record of the mountain, they find fish. Houston, we got a problem. Do you see it? 
Not only has, I mean, not only has the Bi- not only has the Bible not been disproven by archaeology, it's completely supported by archaeological discoveries. And the last one, before we get out of here and do something different, the last one, the Bible is just mythology. Anybody ever heard that before? The Bible's just mythology. You ever heard that? It's quite coming quite a popular one. Bible's just mythology. And that's a crazy statement, and here's why. Because the people who say things like that, they're just proving that they have no idea what mythology really is in the first place. I mean, I mean, here's why. I mean, when you look at it, here, here's the bottom line. And let me tell you this. The reason people would make a statement like this, honestly, the only reason people would make a statement like this, it's not because history doesn't support the Bible. And it's not because archaeology doesn't support the Bible. Matter of fact, the opposite is true. Here's the reason they say things like that. It's because they themselves find certain things in the Bible hard to believe. And let's just call a spade a spade. Let's just be honest. That's the reason why people say things like this. Because they found certain stories in the Bible, certain things in the Bible hard to believe. And so they label the Bible as mythology. I mean, for instance, people go, dude, seriously, hold hold on, time out, Anson. Like you really believe Adam, Eve, garden, naked, Playing chase, playing games, Woo, what's up? And all of a sudden, one day, talking snake, hello, how are you? Eat this fruit. Really? I mean, sir, Anson, honestly, like, you believe that? Or people that believe this, people that believe, you know what? Anson, I have a hard time believing there was this guy named Jonah. And Jonah is kind of, you know, go tell the people about God. No, I don't want to tell the people about God. Okay, then. And he runs away and he gets on a boat. And then all of a sudden the guys get really upset because there's a storm. And Jonah jumps off the boat. And then this big fish comes and swallows him. And Jonah's inside the fish going, this is weird. And he lives. And he gets puked up on an island. So, like, you honestly, you honestly believe that? Anson, seriously, you believe that? Or check this out, dude. Like, you honestly believe you really believe Moses out there herding his sheep on the backside, far side of a mountain one day, and all of a sudden, hey, look, man, that shrubbery's burning. Oh, hello, I'm God. Whoa, right? I mean, seriously? Anson, hold on, time out, time out, bro. You honestly believe Jesus Christ lived, crucified, dead, dead, three days later, alive? Seriously? And here's the thing, students. Here's the thing. There's really three important responses to this, to this idea right here that the Bible is just mythology. First of all, let me, let me just clarify something for you just in case you didn't know this. Just because students, listen, just because you might have a hard time believing something, that doesn't make it a myth. For example, if you have a hard time believing, and there are a lot of people who do, you have a hard time believing that in 1969 men actually landed on the moon. You have a hard time believing that and go, no, I don't believe it actually happened, man. I believe they were in like a, a studio in L.A. and in spacesuits, and they were just filming it. I don't believe that really happened. I don't, that's a myth. Men landing on the moon, that's a myth. I don't believe it, so it's a myth. That'd be crazy. Or what if I came to you and said, you know what? Okay, dude, you honestly expect me to believe that in the mid-1800s, some guy named John Wilkes Booth went to Ford's Theater and somehow in stealth mode, snuck by all the Secret Service and security and snuck by all the people while the play was happening and he's just thinking, shh, got a gun, I got a gun. And he snuck all the way up the stairs and he went into the little, little balcony where, where Abraham Lincoln was and he shot him in the head. You honestly expect me to believe that somehow he got past all those people and did that? That's a myth. No. That's history that somehow, some way is maybe hard for you to believe. It's not a myth. 
So the first thing I would say to you is this. Just because you find something hard to believe, students, that doesn't make it a myth. The second thing is this. Second problem with this idea right here is this. The Bible is not mythology because of a really, really massive, huge, obvious reason. The Bible speaks about real people. Mythology makes up people. Mythology makes up legends. Mythology makes up characters who fly really too close to the sun and their wings melt, right? That's what mythology does. History is about real people. The Bible is not mythology because it speaks about real people. We know that Moses lived. We know that David lived. We know that Solomon lived. Right? We we know that Jesus lived. We know that the 12 disciples lived. These are about real people who apparently were involved in real historical events. The Bible can't be mythology because it's about real people. And here's the thing. Here's the last thing. And by the way, this is the huge one. And this is the one that makes people who say things like this get really, really upset, run for cover, and take their ball and go home. Because the third problem with this idea right here is this, that there's this thing in the Bible, this pesky little thing called predictive prophecy. It's really annoying. Because here's the problem with predictive prophecy. Predictive prophecy is about something that was written by God in the Bible long ago that had not happened yet, that one day in the future happens. And we could just, you know, if there was just one, we could go, well, that was an accident. When there's over a couple thousand, then you have an issue. And the issue is this. When you read the scriptures, when you read throughout the Bible, you read tons of prophecies. Over 2,000 prophecies, some relating to various nations, some relating to the very nation of Israel. Some, many, speaking specifically about Jesus Christ himself, one man. And the problem is when you read, about his, you read about predicted prophecy and you read about these things that happened that didn't happen yet, that were prophesied, that have ultimately happened, it blows your mind because mythology doesn't make claims like that. Mythology doesn't hold prophecies like that and it sure doesn't hold prophecies that have come true. I mean, you look at the life of Jesus, for instance. Out of 2,000 prophecies that are found in the Bible, several hundred of them specifically deal with Jesus. And this is what we're talking about next week, by the way. Several hundred of them deal with Jesus, talking about things like his birthplace, how he lived, how he was betrayed, and how he died. And here's what's interesting about this, that even if you refuse to believe that, even if you go, you know what, I bet this is what happened. Because some people say this, I bet what happened, I bet what happened, I bet, is like after Jesus lived and died, somebody went in and they wrote those things in. I bet they just snuck in and said, she's dead. I'm going to write some things. I'm going to write some things in Isaiah. They'll never know. I bet, I bet that's what happened. Well, you bet wrong. And here's why you bet wrong. Because even if you deny the historical fact, I emphasize that, the historical proven fact that the Old Testament was completed in 450 B.C., 400 years before the birth of Jesus, even if you throw off historical fact, you can never, ever, ever get around the fact, like the, the earliest, or the earliest you could move up the writing of the Bible, the latest, in other words, the latest you could move up the writing of the Bible is 250 B.C., 250 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And so if you believe the Bible's mythology, you can believe the Bible's mythology all you want, but your definition of mythology is completely messed up because mythology is not about real people and mythology certainly never has predictive prophecies that have been fulfilled. And students, so here's the point. Here's the thing. Here's the deal. I told you guys last week, man, my mission here is not to debate with you or 
or even to tell you what you ought to believe. I'm just telling you, this is the evidence that has overwhelmed me and absolutely convinced me that these things are true. And I'm a man who stands before you students, absolutely convinced that the Bible is the word of God. Not because I heard some guy say it one time and said, oh, that sounds like a cool thing to believe. I'll believe the Bible's the word of God. No. Because honestly, I would have no intellectual integrity whatsoever if all I did was believe things that other people said and go, went, okay, well, I, I'll believe that. That sounds good. I'll believe that. I'll do that. That'd be, that'd be dumb. And my challenge to you is this, students. At least base what you believe on evidence. At least base what, whatever it is that you believe about God, whatever it is you believe about the Bible, whatever it is, and this is what we're talking about next week, whatever it is you, you believe about Jesus, at least, at least base that on evidence. Because to not base what you believe on evidence, on real evidence that you've sought out and that you've looked for and that you've looked up is to be foolish. So students, here's the deal. That's the evidence that's convinced me the Bible is the word of God. Just a second, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to split up. We're going to go to some small groups that we got for every single grade level, every single gender. And here's how we work things in here. Let me just explain to you real quick. Here's how we work things in here. Every single person in here is going to go to a small group, and there is some very, very important information that your small group leaders have for you um, about something new that we're starting up around this place called Engage. September 14th, they're going to share it with you. It's awesome. And check this out, y'all, real quick. Check this out. Listen, if you're brand new here, like this is your first night here, your very first night, here's what I want you to do. After the small group is over in about 40 minutes or so, you come back downstairs and you find me. And if you're brand new here, this is your very first time, right after the small group, dude, I'm going to buy you a Starbucks. It's going to be awesome. So you just come find me. It's on me. That's what we're going to do. Glad you guys are here. Check this out. Don't forget this. Next week, next week only, next week only, when you guys show up here that night, we're going to be having registrations because we're planning on giving out an Xbox 360, baby. So you guys be here next week. We're taking, we're taking uh, registrations. You guys need to be here next week. It's awesome. Here's what we're going to do. 12th grade girls, where y'all at? Class of 2000-something-something. Where y'all at? 12th grade girls. Any 12th grade girls in here? Stand up if you're a 12th grade girl. Dude, what's up? 12th grade ladies, you first. We're allowing you to leave first. Your small group leaders are right out there. They have signs that say 12th grade girls. Many of you already know where you're supposed to be. 